Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, Head of Corporate Communications at Steeple, joined as always by our Chief Washington Policy Strategist, Brian Gardner, down in Washington. Hey, Brian. Good afternoon, Neil. It's good to be with you. How are you doing? I'm good. And yourself? I'm hanging in there. Getting closer and closer to football season. Hard Knocks premieres tonight with my Jets. Because as baseball fans, you and I can both We're done. that the season is effectively over. Done. Yep. Done. Done. Only question for me is, will the Mets lose 100 games? It's actually possible. I, I th- you know, Yankee fans are on full Cashman and Boone watch at this point for the offseason. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not holding my breath, but, you know, this is ne- this is a 500 team at this point. And yeah, well, that's and there has to be some accountability somewhere. Well, there has to be accountability. That's eleven games better than my team. So well, there's that. But yeah, so the football season is coming. Excited for hard knocks. I have a hard time envisioning that this Jets iteration of hard knocks is going to be as good as the one. I can't remember what year it was, but Rex Ryan was still the coach. It was one of the first years of the show. It was excellent. So that's a high bar to reach. But I'm going in optimistic. Well, I mean, we we have to. Uh, I mean, even before the NFL uh, college football starting, and it would be a whole podcast to talk about the uh, the realignment, the conference. Oh yeah, going on just in the past week. Um, so Agreed. That 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 is a topic for another podcast. Yeah, that's going to be that'll be our a new podcast that we have to launch that we'll somehow work that stuff into. Um, but you know, and now we do have to transition. But the truth is, um, you know, I said. Hard Knocks, my Jets on Hard Knocks is much must, must watch TV. It'll give us something else other than to watch the cable news shows, which are fixated obviously now on Trump. And we're still what eighteen months away from the elect from the um, you know the twenty four campaign. Really, um, uh, well, no, I guess not less than eighteen months, twelve months from it really being in full force. Uh, anyway, my point here is that Donald Trump continues to make news, and now we have yet another indictment. Any thoughts on this new indictment and how that could play out in the presidential race? Yeah, before I get to that, uh, you know, if, if we ever wanted to, we, we probably could talk about the uh, the market impact, the investment impact for the cable news networks, because it's just a, a ratings boom for these guys. I mean, it's it's must-see TV. Um, yeah, well, that's what CNN is counting on that. And I'm sure yeah, I'm sure it has been driving the ratings. But um, so let, let's switch over to the, the question that you actually asked. Um, so in the context of the Republican nomination, I, I think the recent indictment is going to help Donald Trump, just like the previous two indictments did. You know, his poll numbers, they may not rise as much this time. He's probably near a ceiling. But they don't go down. They don't go down. No um, matter what. Yep. Republican voters, you know, they view the latest indictment as more proof that the establishment is targeting Trump, whoever mm-hmm. the establishment is. Um, um, many in the Trump base think that establishment hates them like it hates Trump. So he's fighting their battle for them. Um, and, you know, it makes it very difficult for other Republican candidates to attack him because, you know, in, in a way they're kind, you know, that that attack could be seen as an attack yeah. on the Trump base as well, even if it's not intended that way. And look, so we're, we are still five months from the Iowa caucus. So hypothetically, it's possible that things could change. But boy, it's it's tough to see an event 
any event on the horizon that would shake up this race. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. You're right. Um, and these other candidates really do have to navigate this very carefully. I guess the person closest to Trump, and that's relative because he's the closest, but not close, would be Governor DeSantis. And in what I'm going to ask you how telling it is, but he's already shaking up his campaign staff and we're, you know, only into the summer of 23. Um, I guess he's getting he's uh, getting rid of his campaign manager. What do you read into that? It's, you know, a, a campaign shakeups happen, right? I mean, you, you can go back and I remember as, you know, a kid really following politics and watching in, in 1980, Ronald Reagan shake up his his campaign staff because he was underperforming. Um, so, you know, there's a long history of that. So it I worked out well for him and it worked and it out did, well. It worked out okay. There uh, you go again, Brian. And and I I think you can, it, I think the DeSantis followers and supporters can acknowledge that the DeSantis campaign has made some mistakes. But the gap between the governor and the former president and really the, the former president, the governor, and, and the rest of the field. It's um, huge. It's huge. And it has less to do with the DeSantis campaign strategy and execution of that strategy. And really, it has more to do with the GOP's base rallying to Trump as they see Trump as a victim. Um, so I'm skeptical that today's announcement is going to fundamentally change the direction of the campaign. But, you know, we talk sports all the time. That's why they play the game. So got to play the game to find out the how it ends. But, um, you know, it, it, yeah. it is clearly going in one direction. Yes. I mean, I don't think too many people would have believed at the beginning of the baseball season that I'd be talking about the odds of the Mets losing 100 games versus winning 100 games, or that Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander were not even on the team in August. But I digress. That's why they play the game. That's why they play the game. I understand. So not that we're going to hear on the Potomac Perspective podcast, give Trump the nomination again. It may very well happen, but let's not give it to him. But for argument's sake, let's buy into what you're saying. And barring any major shakeup, Trump does get the nomination. How do you think that plays out in a general campaign? Yeah, so this is not going to be Fox calling Arizona. It's just so we're, we're clear for mm-hmm. some folks. But, um, you know... On that question, so let's start out. First thing, let's acknowledge that we are in uncharted waters. It's unprecedented to have a major party candidate under indictment, much less for three, possibly four indictments. So this is all new. Um, But the the indictments have and will continue to charge up the Republican base. Um, But we've also seen, based on recent history, that anything that Trump does that excites his base also motivates the Democratic base. So, you know, I think President Biden has has challenges um, going into the election. Um, there's an enthusiasm gap. Mm. You know, he could struggle to excite voters to turn out and reelect him. But I think the Trump indictment headlines are going to be exploited by the Biden campaign to fire up Democratic voters, and also, you know, to warn and remind those swing voters in key states, the the really the, the voters that are really going to decide the election about the chaos that could ensue if Trump is reelected. And, you know, just as an aside, I, I do think we're in a in a time, or have been in for a couple of election cycles, where voters 
vote against a candidate yeah, not, yeah. as much as they vote for a candidate. So, you know, and, and that's how the, the Trump indictment story plays into the 2024 election that you could see voters voting, uh, you know, in the general election, mm-hmm. not the primary, but the general election, a lot of voters voting against him because of it. Yeah. Sort of like the any anybody but that one yes. mentality. Yep. And I mean, look, as you point out, it, this is not us making an early call um, and a lot could play out. It's still plenty of time, not to mention the fact that I, we get a lot of attention on Biden's age. But, you know, Trump is not 20 years younger than Biden. So both candidates are, you know, probably older than any presidential candidates we've seen. So that's a wild card also. Yeah, yeah. on that, so, you know, when I was talking in the context of the Republican primary, let me broaden that to the general election. You know, when I talk about, you know, what's the catalyst out there that's going to change the trajectory? And it really is health. What, yeah. It's a health in, uh, episode incident for either one of them. Um, and that and no one can figure that out. No one can predict that. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's in, in Donald Rumsfeld. Um, terminology. It is the known unknown. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, a lot for us to follow on the election. Um, obviously, the health of the economy and the markets, those all play into how voters feel as well. And we did um, get a recent downgrade by Fitch to the US credit rating. Um, what do you make of that and how that may or may not factor into anything? Yeah, I, I think the impact was limited. Um, when you step back and look at what's out there, investors have a ton of information about the federal government's financial condition. So I don't think the Fitch downgrade revealed anything new that investors didn't already know. So I'm skeptical it had a big impact. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, though, because when you just think of the headline alone, right, U.S. credit rating downgraded, you would think that the knee-jerk reaction would be some sort of market reaction, but you, I'm sensing from you that you don't think it's a big factor for the market. So, so, so let's go back um, for a second. Um, I, I got a couple of thoughts on this. One, let's go back to 2011 when S&P downgraded its rating of the U.S. federal government following that year's debt ceiling standoff and the bond market rallied mm-hmm. and it rallied because there were other factors going on throughout the world you had a sovereign debt crisis in europe uh, i believe italy i think greece at the time and that caused a flight to safety u.s treasury so the bond market actually rallied Benef- yeah benefited from that mm-hmm. yes absolutely so my point being, you know, the bond market, there are other factors driving rates beyond a a credit rating downgrade. Um, Treasury's been issuing new debt to replenish its coffers following the the, the recent debt ceiling uh, standoff a couple months ago. Monetary policy decisions are ongoing by central banks, both here and abroad. I think that's what impacts the markets. That what That's what impacts interest rates, not the Fitch announcement. And I'll, I'll just, you know, on the, on the equity market side, I'll, I'll just flip over for a second. Um, look, the market's been rallying for a couple of months. Um, and the recent sell-off is probably due more to profit-taking and the market taking a pause. Maybe some investors use the downgrade as an excuse to take profits and head for the sidelines. Um, but I, I don't think that the, the, the downgrade caused the sell-off. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, all that being said, I, you know, we've talked a lot before. You've written about it. We've talked about it on the podcast this potential government shutdown in October. Despite everything that you just said about the downgrade, uh, the Fitch downgrade not being material in the market's eyes, I have a hard time believing that somehow this is not going to be used in the negotiations over a potential government shutdown. You are and the budget fight. Your 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 comments are well thought out and, and your thoughts are well placed there. The, the downgrade is going to be a talking point, but it's going to be used by both sides. Yeah. The upcoming budget fight. Um, but it's not going to impact how the fights get resolved. Like some in Congress, they are going to cite the Fitch downgrade as proof that government needs normalcy. The brinksmanship caused the rating agencies to lose confidence in the U.S. government to govern itself. Therefore, you know, we need to we need to keep the government open, pass the budget bills on time and so forth. At the same time, on the flip side, some Republicans are going to cite Fitch as proof that the U.S. needs to cut spending. And mm-hmm. it actually could embolden them to shut down the government in an effort to extract more spending cuts. Um, you know, I, I should note, you know, as I have written about in the past, especially back when we were talking about the debt ceiling, um, you know, during this upcoming debate, the spending debate, Congress is only going to be debating about 30% of annual spending. 70% of the budget goes to entitlements, Social Security, Medicare, as well as interest on the debt. You know that, And that portion of the budget is growing, um, and it's squeezing out the, the discretionary uh, spending, that, that 30% that's right. going to be debated, um, which is going to be at the heart of the debate this fall. So it, it's kind of interesting that you know, Congress is going to be debating a shrinking part of the yeah. pie that is and whatever they decide to do is going to have little to no impact on the fiscal trajectory um for the United States. Yeah. But we'll be watching it. Yes, we will. So we got a lot to watch. We have a lot to watch. And when, uh, now I'm putting you on the spot, but w- don't we have a Republican debate coming up too? Yes, uh, Wednesday, August 23rd on Fox. Um, okay, so get uh, your popcorn, get your popcorn ready. I actually, I, I think I'm going to be on the road that evening for work. Um, so I will um, we'll approve I, that. I, 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 I may be planted in an airport bar someplace watching it. Um, I mean, um, I have to I have to see what the, the flight schedule looks like. But um, and, and we don't know yet whether Trump's going to be there, gonna participate or not. I mean, we could we could have a whole podcast about this. I, I, I mean, just I, I can make I, I can see both sides. One is he doesn't do it because in national polls he has a there's no reason for him to do it. He, yes. He's he, got a forty point lead. Correct, and he said that he said as much. Yes. At the same time, when has Donald Trump ever shot no. away from the TV cameras? Well, that was going to be my point. I believe, if memory serves me right, I think it was. I think it was 16, not, maybe it was 16, I believe, not 20. He did skip one. Uh, I think he skipped an NBC debate in 2016 because he felt that they were very unfair or whatever. I, I I might be wrong. Maybe he just threatened, but I thought he skipped one debate in the 2016 circuit. But again, that was a very different story. He wasn't the clear front runner at the time the way he is now. So yep. Yep. he had a lot more to gain there. But I, yeah, I he has said that. But when he says that, it, it reminds me of that line. Um, that he pulled in one of the debates 
when I think it was Jeb Bush, one of his favorite targets early on in that series, who, who he was also questioning something about debates or something about him. And Trump said, well, I'm at I'm at 30 and you're at two and you're one more one more point down and you're off the stage kind of a thing. So I could see him, even though he says he's got such a large lead and he doesn't have to do it. I, I think a one liner like that is a little hard to resist for him. But by the way, I mean, him holding out until the last minute, I mean, it, how on brand is that? Yeah. Donald Trump, right? Yeah. All right. Well, Brian, a lot to look for. I'm putting that date on the calendar. We'll have to talk about whoever does your schedule because that's poor, poor schedule planning to have you on the road on the night of the first debate. I'll have to look into that. Someone's going to have to pay for that. But thank you, Brian, for spending some time um, as always. Thanks, Neil. And thanks to everyone for listening. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks with another episode of Potomac Perspective. Take care.